You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Dugal. A legendary photo lab is now at your fingertips. ShopDugal.com is the expanded online storefront of Dugal Visual Solutions, a leader and innovator in printing for over 50 years. At ShopDugal.com, you now have instant access to world-class printing solutions for pigment prints to acrylic prints to canvas prints to metal prints to everything you might need. It's all there. And even better, you don't have to use one of those awful rose applications in order to submit your orders. You can do it right over the web browser. They also ship ground for free. I want you to give Dugal your best work and so that they can give you theirs. Find out more at shopdugal.com slash master. That's S-H-O-P-D-U-G-G-A-L dot com slash master. And use promo code master at checkout to get 25% off your first order. Welcome to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to the show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon, the host of this episode. And joining me at the roundtable today, we have Brent Bergerham, Brian McGuckin, and Connor Hibbs. Hey, guys, how are you? Hello. Good, good. Doing well? Good. So excited. It's, it's fun. We uh, we don't ha- often have all of us on together. We're missing a key piece in, in Miss Erica Kay, but uh, she had an exhausting day today, she told us. So we're going to excuse her from, from this episode. Yeah. But it's really uh, it's fun she's... to be out together. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay. Good. So, yeah. She usually keeps us in line. So. That's true. <laughs> this now, may be a scary episode. Who knows? This could be <laughs> a runaway right. train. <laughs> Right. <laughs> okay, we're gonna, we have three topics we want to cover today, and uh, we all talk, like to talk enough. That might be hard, but we'll we'll see. We'll see how we go. So our first topic, we're going to talk about conferences, photography conferences, and I am so jealous because Brian just got back from the Out of Chicago conference a little bit ago, and uh, so Brian, why don't you talk a little bit about the conference? What are kind of like the highlights of the experience of the Out of Chicago conference specifically? Let's focus on it itself right now. All right. So the conference itself is uh, done in, guess what city? Chicago. There you go. <laughs> what? Hence the name Out of Chicago. Uh, it is something that was started by Chris Smith up there, which a few years back on Thoughts on Photography, I interviewed him about the Out of Chicago a conference and what it's like to kind of organize and set up a photography conference. So feel free to go back to the archives uh, of thoughts on photography to hear that one. But uh, it's just, it's just an awesome time. You know, you know how when you were a kid and you went to camp and you just were so excited to be there and like you don't sleep and you just get energized off each other. That is the out of Chicago conference, which they also have a couple other ones that they do kind of throughout throughout the year as far as for flowers and they did a, a portrait one this uh, time it was kind of a combination of a different types of photography and he is going to reshape it a little bit for next year but let's see have have any of you guys been there before i have not been there that's why i said no. i'm jealous i really want to go no i've not I been there either want to go Okay, well, this is my second time going. I went uh, a <laughs> just, few years ago. Just rub that in, Brian. Second well, I time live, going. I mean, come on, I live by Chicago, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's my, one of my favorite cities. So, 
Yeah, so it was my second time going to the conference, and I went a few years ago when Jim was uh, there sharing and presenting, and Nick Page, that we all know and love and adore, was there and presented last year and presented at, well, he presented at a portrait one there uh, last winter, I believe, and then presented at out of Arcadia and was invited here to present at this one. And uh, Nick is a good friend of mine, so I like to hang out with him whenever I can since he lives way over there kind of in... I guess closer to you guys, yeah. especially especially you, Brent. <laughs> about, about 40 miles away, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so I went and picked him up from the airport and got to kind of just hang out with him. And uh, we shared a room and caused some trouble and probably did things we shouldn't have done. But that's kind of the whole fun <laughs> purpose of a retreat, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just it was, it was great. It was uh, three days of just learning and picking different things and experimenting. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's the same thing with uh, any photography conference, especially the create photography one that we have uh, in Vegas taking place where you just get inspired to be around people. And there are great presenters. The keynote speaker this time was Scott Kelby, which, mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. I, I have been a fan of him simply because I kind of, I guess I basically learned photography from him because I was sort of self-taught. And then I just said that I learned from him, which doesn't mean I was self-taught, but I learned from <laughs> his books where yeah. they, they totally fit my personality of, you know, I'm reading his books and I'm just cracking up because they're funny. Like he talks to you through the voice of, you know, his voice is his voice. So it was easy to, in uh, simple to learn where he doesn't explain all the geeky stuff that, uh, that Jeff loves. <laughs> That's right. He, he explains, here's what you do and here's the result you get. And for me, that worked and that helped me to learn. So he kind of kicked things off. And then there were a few days of different presenters dealing with uh, some light painting, which I'll talk about here in a little bit, uh, some drone photography, a little bit of video stuff, architecture, black and white. Uh, Nick d- talked about his luminosity stuff that he does. And so it's just it's just awesome. Out of Chicago is a great conference and i know a handful of our listeners have been there yeah (laughs) here's how here's how i know so uh, we're standing in line and only at a photography treat retreat does a man have to wait in line to use the restroom (laughs) well that that in like a sporting sporting event event, yeah so i'm standing in line and you know everyone's just standing there and that's an awkward moment so i like to kind of break the ice a little bit so another gentleman and i were talking for a second and this guy who was like four or five people in front just turns and he just stares at me and i'm like okay did i say something like weird and he goes (laughs) he goes i thought i recognized that voice and so it was one of our listeners who uh just was there attending the conference and give us a little shout out and you know so that he enjoyed listening to our podcast and uh, there were a handful of other people there as well that i I know listen to us and have been on some of the uh, workshops that we've done but yeah i'm sorry i could could keep talking about out of chicago forever because it really is a great conference okay so since i've never been and I, i haven't really looked into it enough to know and i'm sure there's lots of listeners that may have heard about it but don't know either what what's the expectation how is the the conference run like what's the format of it so that sounds like such a official question <laughs> so it's at the columbia college there in the south loop uh near kind of millennial park 
uh, Millennium Park and the, where the bean is and all that. And basically, it's, I, I mean, I guess it's not that different from other conferences as far as like, you know, there's a handful of different rooms and presenters that you can go and listen to. But what I think is kind of unique about this one is there's usually always uh, a couple of shoots like taking place out and about. So if you don't want to be in a class, you know, signed up with one of the people, you can go out with one of them who usually would take a, a group out around the city and, and be doing a certain type of, of photography. So that's kind of fun. And then he did build in a time where like each room sort of had different shoots going on and you could kind of walk around and just, you know, you could pop in one room and kind of see a shoot that was taking place uh, and, and get some ideas of uh, different types of maybe flash photography, or you could go in and I think Nick was talking about his luminosity masking stuff that he does. You know, which is for the high tech geeky people that love that stuff <laughs> and which his room was packed. I mean, he clearly was one of the, the favorites there. Uh, you could go into another room and learn uh, photo. Joseph is his name, who was uh-huh. talking a little bit about some like video stuff that he was doing. And so that was kind of neat. And there's a room where a bunch of not really sponsors, but, you know, um, vendors. Uh, Vendors, thank you. Just trying to sell different things, and okay. some of the, some of them letting you just take some of the lenses or take some of the newest cameras out and just kind of take them out for the day and check them out and and explore them a little bit. Okay, so it actually sounds really similar to the Create Photography Retreat. Then, so wait, there was a lot of that same experience there, maybe on a smaller scale, uh, which is kind of fun, I think, to be able to have it not be hordes of people. How many people do you think there were? Do you have, do you have any idea at the Out of Chicago conference? Oh man. Um, no, okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even going to guess. Okay. A lot, a lot, yeah. <laughs> a lot, a lot, yeah, a lot, and, but and, not, not too many. Like it was pleasantly full. Right. That's good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's cool. And I've, I've seen tons of people post pictures from it that are really cool, real fun pictures. So it's just fun. I, I enjoy it a lot going to those, those kinds of things. Now I've only been to the creative photography retreat, so I haven't, and I'd like to go to some others just to, to kind of see how that is Maybe, and go as an attendee. Cause I've been a presenter at all of the creative photography re- retreats and I'd like to, it would be fun to kind of go as an attendee and not have like all the responsibility and all of the, the time I have to spend on, uh, on being a presenter. I like that too, but it would be fun to have the other, other type of experience. So, Hey, Connor and Brent, have you guys been to other conferences? I haven't. And I, I totally agree with you that it would be fun to go. I, I love the create photography retreat, but because we have those responsibilities, it's, it's exhausting in a way where it's like, I'm trying to look out for everybody else and I'm spending all of my energy doing that. Yeah, right. So by the time I actually have a free moment, I'm just like, I just, I need to sleep now uh, <laughs> right. yes. versus a, a photography conference where it's like, hey, if something doesn't interest you, you can kind of hang back and relax a little bit for a little bit. And yeah, I, I totally had good. intentions at the last retreat to go out. I think it was Wednesday morning maybe Thursday, I can't remember which day, but one of the mornings, uh, a whole bunch went out to go do astrophotography. And I, I wanted to go and try to get some of the uh, the astrophotography done in that area. 
and um, it was a little bit cooler, so it would have been nice to just be out there and where because it was in Arizona, so it would have been a lot cooler to go and uh, and do that. Or sorry, that was in South Carolina this last time too. So anyway, yeah, it, it would have been really fun. But then, like you said, I, at the end of the day, that night I had plans like, okay, we'll go to dinner. Maybe we'll go go get a couple hours of sleep, and then we'll wake up and go out. And by the time we got back to the hotel to go go take our couple of hours of sleep, like, nope, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't can't get out there to go do the astrophotography. So I hope they get some help, um, which Randy Parkhurst was out there to help people and he did a great job. But yeah, it was it was exhausting. It was so fun. I enjoyed it a ton. I just, I really love that experience, but I would like to try the other side of it. Brent, how about you? Have you been to other conferences? Yeah, I've been to Photoshop World a couple of times, once in Las Vegas, or maybe it was twice in Las Vegas. I can't remember. But that was a while ago, but that's a mix between, you know, Photoshop stuff and uh, photography stuff. So it was definitely a good conference, and that's run by the Kelby One group. Mm-hmm. Ah, cool. Yeah. I, I, I want to go there because there are so many other um, notable photographers where I'm like, I, the, I am a fan. So I want to go meet the people that I am a fan of. Like, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with RGG edu and like Rob Grimm and Gary, but they have an awesome podcast and like great education stuff. And they're always at these conferences and I'm like, Oh, I want to go there and meet people <laughs> that I'm like, I, I fangirl over. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny that you say that because it's, it's hilarious. Uh, to see Nick Page get like excited about seeing somebody. <laughs> and so he was really excited um, to be able to see one of the presenters, which uh, the uh, PH Learn. I'm having uh-huh. Flern. Flern. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I would uh, be super excited about meeting him too. I, I can't think of his name off the top of my head right now. Aaron Nace. Aaron Nace. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So Nick was really excited to meet him and and to be able to talk with him a little bit and as well as Scott Kelby who kind of hung out and, uh, you know, did some photo critiques for people if they wanted a little bit. And so, yeah, just to be around other people that have been a part of your process, you know, or your journey along the way of learning is always, always exciting. Yeah, it is. I I love it. It, It's just a, a, such a fun experience and just to get everyone to remember about the create photography retreat coming up. Uh, it's in, in 2019, it's going to be in Las Vegas. It's March 28th through 30th and, uh, ticket prices are pretty low. I think this is, it's a really good part about the create photography retreat is the cost is, is very low in comparison to a lot of these other conferences. So it's only 387 for a ticket to go to the conference. And then because it's in Vegas travel and, uh, your board and room when you're there is, is pretty cheap. It's pretty inexpensive to go. So it's good, yeah. good conference to go pick up and, and you can go to create photography retreat.com so that we can, you can, uh, you can get tickets and then you'll see us there. That'd be really fun. We'd love to have you and, uh, and kind of have the same kind of experience that, that, uh, Brian did. Brian, what do you think you learned the most when you're out of this conference? Oh, what did I learn the most? I learned a lot. I took a lot of notes. One thing, uh, I just, I think we all are aware just with the power of video and just how video is continuing to kind of take things over, you know, whether it's like drone stuff or just little videos that people are doing so easily with their phones today. Uh, so I, I, my daughter wants me to try to do some video clip things and I'm starting to have a lot of people ask me, well, how did I get this shot or that shot? So I 
don't do a great job of making high quality videos, I guess, for that. So I learned a little bit from Photo Joseph and got to spend some time with him, uh, just asking him a bunch of questions, trying to understand just how, you know, how that really all works. So that was helpful. Uh, I made my first time lapse. I don't know if you saw it on my Instagram. It was a time lapse just out of our hotel window in yeah. Chicago, which, yeah. I mean, that was just, you know, with Nick, he was, we were talking about it and, I had never done one. So I'm like, oh, this would be kind of cool. The lighting was good. And it's right where the train, the L kind of comes through. And so I did one of those and light painting, which, you know, we're kind of familiar with, or I'm more familiar with it as far as using like flashlights or things to, you know, light up whatever it is we're taking a photo of where uh, Eric, I think Paré is how you pronounce his name from Canada. Awesome, awesome guy that does this amazing work, which I was going to talk about here in a little while when it was my turn again. But so uh, just being able to kind of think, okay, here are some things I really don't care about. You know, they just don't interest me. And <laughs> here are some things where, well, I mean, I mean, we all have different yeah. things, you know, like there are some things where it's like, yeah, you rock that. You're awesome. I just, I have no interest in that. Yep. And Wed weddings would so, be one for me. I don't care to ever do a wedding. So. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, but then there's somewhere it's like, huh, that's kind of interesting, you know, or, you know, honestly, Eric Paré's the light one that I walked into, I wasn't even going to go in there. And I ended up loving that and that being one of my favorite sessions and I learned tons from him. So I think that's the fact a, that you can kind of customize your learning. Yeah. And there's so many different opportunities right there and you can practice it right there and you've got a chunk of time, you know, days dedicated to just do photography. Yeah. I, I think that's an, another big reason to go do a conference. Um, and maybe not all of them are like this. It sounds like these two out of Chicago and create photography are, are similar in their experiences where you have lots of different genres and types of photography represented and lots of opportunities for hands-on. Um, I loved it at South Carolina this last year when we, we had rooms set up every hour of the day and then people some the presenters when they weren't presenting they they we had times that we went in there and we helped people with lighting setups and and uh, and doing some of the shoots and it was so fun to see people like i have never put a flash on anything before <laughs> i've never done this and they were like scared and intimidated to do it themselves but then when they saw how you set it up in these rooms and how easy it could be and and we had equipment that was kind of the the less expensive kind as well as the more expensive kind so you could kind of get a, a feel for both and uh, anyway yeah. it was really fun to be able to see people like say this is great. I, I could do this and gain the confidence to go and do it. it, it some people just kind of need that hands-on one time with someone who knows enough to be able to show them what to do. And then they can, they can just go from there. It's really fun to be able to be part of that. It's, it's, it's enjoyable for me. Yeah. And so the thing that I took away the most where if you were on again, my Instagram, which is just at Brian McGuckin, uh, you'll see a picture recently that I did that has my daughter. And then there's this kind of wave of light kind of behind her. And then like a white silo burn type thing behind that. And it's just kind of light painting with a, with a tube and a flashlight and really simple to do. And Eric, 
uh, Pare, which if he's ever listening to this, he's going to make fun of me for saying his name wrong. <laughs> but uh, he just takes these amazing, beautiful images. And they're with this uh, woman who is this tiny little, she, I think she was, did some ballet for a while, you know, so she knows how to pose. But they go to these beautiful locations all around the world and are hired. He's done, there's like a TEDx Montreal, uh, Coachella, he's, he's gone there. He gets hired to... Uh, photo Kina and to go to these different places to kind of just demonstrate basically what he does and he's in like the salt flats he's in all these different countries and so it's not just light painting it's like light painting to the most beautiful extent possible and so his website is e-r-i-c-p-a-r-e.com and tube tribe is kind of the hashtag that he uses, but it's just, his work is just unbelievable. So yeah. beautiful. And then he did this really cool thing with 84 cameras and it, they shoot it like a video and which is really trippy to watch because you see this kind of model pose there and the cameras are in a circle around him and he's light painting, but you don't see him, but you see this light just kind of coming into this photo wrapped around the person. So just go to his website and check his stuff out because it, it is amazing. And it's inspired me and has gotten me excited to kind of think about uh, different things that I can do. And I've got some ideas. I'm going to try to apply that just to my community locally, just to kind of bring more attention to uh, my craft and, and what I'm trying to do. So cool. That's great. I love it. Okay. So conferences are good. We all agree. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Very good. All right. Let's move on to the next topic. Um, we want to talk, Connor. I'm, I'm jealous again of Connor now because <laughs> you did a reenactment workshop. Yeah. Um, so tell me about I know you and, and a good friend of the show, Mark Morris, you guys did a workshop uh, centered around some battle reenactments or what, what was it? Yeah. Okay. So, so it was a, a weirdo combination workshop. So we, it was three days long. Um, we did this workshop in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And so the first day was like actually with models in a studio like setting at the hotel that we were in. Um, that was all about learning flash and, and kind of the, the workshop that I, I teach a lot about how to get started with flash and get comfortable and essentially just work through how to balance an image with flash and ambient light. Um, but that, that day is all, because it's all studio based, um, all the ambient light, the, the only thing you needed to do is kind of like cut out the light. So it's kind of fun playing around with different light placements and learning how to dial in your lights. And we do a fun challenge where um, I make them recreate my photos and oh, yeah. I'm not allowed to help. So it's it's a really cool challenge that I, I enjoy doing with people. Um, but okay, wait, wait. Second, so let's oh, explain wait, that. So explain that to me a little more. So do you teach them first? Yes. And then you yeah. say, okay, now that you've, I've taught you what you're supposed to do, here's the photo you have to create. Yeah, exactly. So oh, that's it's like, cool. I, I, I go through, I teach them all of the things. Um, and then we kind of go through and shoot some stuff where I'm helping them to dial in. Um, like I, I'm kind of prompting them where they say, okay, well, I want to do this. And I say, all right, well, if you're going to do that, think about 
X, Y, and Z. Here's how we get through that. And that's, so it kind of builds up a little bit of confidence and then it gets to a point where, um, I give them an option of, you know, 10 or 15 images and say, okay, what one or two do you want to try and recreate? And then as a group, um, everybody gets together and they kind of talk through exactly what's happening. So it kind of, it's a cool way to get everybody to engage with each other and really think through the ideas. And, um, this, this time in particular was really cool because, um, not only did they do a really good job of creating it eventually, um, at least one of the two setups that they, they decided to shoot, they recreated it almost perfectly and did it in a way that was totally different oh, than that's how awesome. I had it set up. So it's like they, they really nailed it and were creative and did stuff that I actually, they, they compensated for some Photoshopping that I did and got it to look like that, um, straight out of camera, which wow. I was like very impressed with. Wow. Um, but yeah, so, so how big that, of a group is this? Um, it, it was pretty small, actually. Um, it's uh, five. We we max nice. we max out at ten, but ten's kind of pushing it, and we kind of assumed that this being models and history, it's it, the people that it speaks to, it would definitely speak to, and the people that weren't interested wouldn't be showing up. Um, <laughs> so it was it was about the size of the group that we were expecting, and it, it really ended up being a great time. Um, so, so after that first day, the, the second day we spent the first half of the day, um, there was a group of guys that, uh, living historians that portray different generals and um, notable people from the Civil War that kind of hang out in a park and people are allowed to come up and walk up and talk to them. Um, but we went out and shot with them and took their portraits. So it's kind of uh, day one plus now we have to deal with ambient. So I kind of got everybody thrown off their feet again when they started feeling a little bit comfortable um, now they have to learn how to compensate uh, for the fact that you have bright daylight um, and how to use flash with that and then from there we went on to the battle reenactments re reenactment so we went to the site and that um, we had awesome like press tower passes so we had a really good view of the field and it was one of those situations where I shot for if the whole thing was an hour long battle um, that they well they were reenacting for about an hour um, I probably shot maybe 20 or 30 minutes of it and then eventually just felt like, you know, this is awesome, but I should actually watch the thing too. <laughs> and and it, it was really cool. Like there were, um, they did, uh, during the reenactments, they have all of the cannons going off with just powder. Um, but then other parts of the day, they did like live mortar demonstrations. So they have actual cannonballs that they're like targeting targets out in a field. And then they had this massive explosion um, that was none of us were prepared for. They were saying, oh, we're going to have an explosion. And we were kind of thinking, well, everything else has been kind of like fireworks, relatively small. So everybody had their telephotos out and the explosion happened. We're like, oh, I couldn't zoom out fast enough or far <laughs> enough to get this giant like it had a mushroom cloud that's nice. how big this thing was wow. um now were can were cannons firing off or were nikons firing off it, it, was, it was all cannons uh -huh. see what i did there see what yeah, I, did. I see what you did there yeah, yeah. Yeah. i stole that from the notes as i was writing that in the show notes the cannons i spelled it the wrong way because i spelled it the name of the camera brand instead of, instead of the war machine that that's the right way yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's funny but yeah it was it was it was a really cool time the the day the third day we kind of got up early and 
not all of the reenactors actually stay in the historical camps, but many of them do. So we went there when the sun was just rising and took a bunch of portraits of natural light portraits where we're dealing with sunlight and kind of, again, trying to apply the the things that we've learned about light positioning and whatnot. Um, but now let's do that with natural light. So it's kind of a really cool um, way to, to involve both photography and getting awesome portfolio stuff with a bit of a history lesson plus um really just a a thorough thorough workshop on light yeah wow that's really cool sounds like a great experience are you going to do this workshop again Uh, maybe maybe not it was it's one of those that we know that it's really appealing to such a small niche and I mean, we were in the black financially from our end, but it wasn't exactly profitable, which we we were okay with. Uh-huh. Um, we kind of talked about that ahead of time. But the idea of putting in all of the effort that goes into it year after year, it's um, it, problematic to, to try and handle all of those things when I could be doing other sure. stuff with my time that actually makes money. And, and if we were to do something like this, we probably wouldn't do Gettysburg again. It, it, not seriously knocking the people that were running it, but it, it was kind of chaotic and um, dealing with that organization was a serious pain. And uh, both Mark and I have actually gone onto forums from the reenactor side and seen that even they complain about it and they're like, man, this uh, is ridiculous uh, so it both both sides are not thrilled with it if we were to do something i i like the idea of doing more historical workshop weirdo <laughs> workshops um but it probably wouldn't be this exact same thing uh-huh. um just because of that okay so you, I, go ahead sorry right. have you been right. to colonial williamsburg nope because that would they have some reenactors that you know are just kind of there there's other places too but I've, I was there, well, probably four years ago or five years ago now, but that's kind of a fun place to shoot, too. And you've got people in the period dress and they're acting out various things. I bet something could work out there. And it's a lot more laid back, I guess you could say, because basically it's just, you know, they're there in town and they're just kind of doing their thing. And, yeah, yeah, that definitely sounds cool. And it would be a good, I've been there, um, we went there on my honeymoon, actually. My wife was from that oh. area, so we went back there. Anyway, um it's cool because there's there's tons of other things that are around Williamsburg too. So I don't yeah. know about Gettysburg if there was a lot of other stuff, but people could make like a whole week of it really well and go to theme parks and, and see stuff around Williamsburg. So anyways, yeah. good spot to look into. Yeah, so, it's, okay. It's, okay. I've never done any kind of reenactment photography. Um, yes. And I, I saw Mark posted that one of the things he took away was he really needed that Canon 70 Mark II, all 10 frames a second that it can take in order <laughs> yeah. to capture the, the cannon fire. Uh, and, and he even said he had to stop down a lot, I think, because if he exposed properly for the uh, soldiers, then the cannon, the, the blast coming out would be totally overexposed. Blown and, out. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's a couple of things he learned there. Tell me, what do you think most of the attendees got out, like top things the attendees of the workshop got out of it? Oh, man. Well, that's that's... I would say first and foremost, information about lighting. I think that that was a a huge point of doing the workshop was totally based on lighting and how to handle light in many different situations. Um, I mean, got out of it from uh, the standpoint of portfolio shots. I think everybody got some really cool stuff. I've seen um, Jim Campbell and uh, one of the attendees, he's been doing a lot of post-processing with stuff in SilverFX Pro. And something that he's doing is something that 
I, I, I just said it as kind of a one-off where I was saying, okay, we're trying to recreate with some of these historical portraits. We want to kind of recreate the look of tintypes. Uh-huh. And one of the ways to do that is to use a white vignette on there. Uh-huh. And it's totally just because when you're doing that style of like tintype photography, um, you're actually coating your plates on your own with a liquid. And oftentimes that liquid isn't making it perfectly across the entire plate. You're really focused on the center. So the exterior edges instead of getting a dark vignetting you get kind of a light vignetting where you're not getting the chemical on there properly and it was something that it was kind of a, a one-off that i just was like oh yeah it's interesting and if you want to be a little more historically accurate do it this way and he just ate that up and he's doing an awesome job where legitimately i've come across some of the photos and it looks like it could just be something that was from the period wow um so cool. so that's kind of honing in on a single individual with a thing that I was just like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. Um, but it, I think everybody kind of came away with um, a lot because three days doesn't sound like a ton <laughs> of time. You're doing three full days of education um, intensely and getting all of your questions answered. Usually my workshops are a day, maybe two days. It's really like a day and a half that I'll do. So, so doing three days where I'm answering anything and everything that I can think of on lighting or any other questions. We, we talked about some business stuff. Um, there, there was just a lot to take away there. Very cool. Okay. But what, and how about you personally, what kind of, what was some top things you learned as you hosted a workshop? So, so this is far from the first workshop that I've hosted, but this is the first time that I've done a workshop that was in completely unfamiliar territory um, when it was just me, me and somebody else putting stuff together. And one thing that I have definitely learned is uh, the logistics side of things and making sure that as as much as we can email back and forth with somebody and they seem to be giving us legitimate responses, making sure that everything is dialed in and taken care of way ahead of time. So in the instance, we had this issue with the tickets where they kept on telling us um, that we get press passes, but we also have to buy the tickets, but we need to buy the tickets there in person. And we ended up running around for probably about five hours between multiple days because we got there and our point of contact was nowhere to be found. And then it, it, it turned out that we had no reason that we had to wait to buy the tickets. We could have bought them months ahead of time, but we were just trying to follow orders, like follow the instructions of this lady. But every person that we talked to is like, that's stupid. Why would you have to do it that way? (laughs) Um, So it's, it's a a pain point where I don't like being disorganized. And Uh that was something that, you know, we were doing it that way because we thought that was a way that we needed to do it. And just, just making sure that we're really on top of things and say like, just, idiot proof the whole situation where we say could we just buy it now is that okay Uh, things like that where would definitely be the biggest takeaway for me is just making sure everything is locked down and nailed down and duct tape whatever Uh, that everything is completely completely solidly booked before getting out there yeah that's cool I love doing it. I love workshops too. It's fun. Oh yeah. I guess I just love anytime we can go out and do photography. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when you get to interact with other people. Yes. I love that. That's, that's the key getting together with people shooting. That's good stuff. The only time I've I've had kind of a negative experience related to it was when I get uh, the, the other people I'm interacting with 
are the people who are like uh, who feel like they know everything and uh, you yeah. know you're you're really not almost worthy to talk to. So, so you don't like shooting with me? <laughs> that, that, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That is not at all how I feel about you. <laughs> but I've had it a few times, especially when they yeah. find out I'm like a, a podcaster about photography. Like, okay, that seems like it's stupid, and <laughs> and it like lowers <laughs> their opinion of me, and uh, they assume I know nothing at that point. And I mean. It's, it's frustrating. I don't like that. It's the only time I've had negative experiences in interacting with people about photography. Most of the time, a vast majority, I just love it. Uh, it's really fun. Well, uh, there is there is one downside of conferences as far as, and I know normally I'm sarcastic and, and all, but I'm not trying to be right now. Um, sometimes you see a different side to that person, whoever, maybe it's the presenter and somebody that you've followed for a while and you've admired, but then you kind of see a little bit more who they really are. And I, I've seen that before at a conference where it's like, really, I'm, yeah. I'm disappointed, yeah. you know, and, and hopefully, you know, we, we all have uh, taken part in presenting at conferences. Uh, so hopefully, you know, nobody feels that way about us, yeah. but that is, that is there. And so, you know, I think my point with that is it's great to admire other people, but remember that those people, you know, Scott Kelby, sure, he's a better photographer than I am and everything. And if that's what you think is the most important thing in life, then okay. But he's as equal as you are and as I am and everybody. And Scott Kelby was not. Scott, Scott was great. He was awesome. I'm not saying anything bad about him. I just was <laughs> using him as an example because a lot of people know who he is. But I have been at workshops before, large workshops, where I saw a different side to a person uh, where I'm like, oh, I'm disappointed. And now everything that I, a lot of what I respected of you Mm -hmm. you're going to have to earn that back from me again because what you just said most humans may not agree with yeah or the way you said it you know? yep i've i've witnessed that myself it's really sad to to see that uh it, you know it's it almost just takes my words away because it's like you know you could be so helpful here yet you know you said that and it's just like why so well, I know it's going to sound like I'm plugging it a lot, but that's why I, I really like the Create Photography Retreat. Yeah. Um, BJ and Rachel, they do a great job of getting uh, presenters who do a good job with that. They, they are very willing and ready to help everybody, no matter their current, you know, where they are on the journey of mastering their photography. They're, they, it seems like all the presenters are just very nice, very good, easy to get along with and willing to help. Like no question is, is too basic and, um, and they want to, they want to help. So it's a great one to go to, um, yeah. to, for that, for that, to make sure you have that experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ready for the last topic guys? Yep. You betcha. <laughs> is it going to be something geeky? Well, of course it is. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Anyone else with me who wants to kind of just rest our eyes? And... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If there's snoring in the background, I will know who it is. <laughs> it's, it's me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is good because like I, I shared this uh, a couple times ago with you that like if it wasn't for geeks like you, I wouldn't be able to do what I love to do. So 
geek away. Go okay. for it. And, and you're right, Brian. It <laughs> won't be long and you will benefit from this. You can just ignore it until then. But, okay. <laughs> but you will someday. You just, just summarize it for me later. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So let me, let me share with you kind of the geeky story that I'm going to bring to the, the round table today. And it's, it's uh, NVIDIA is uh is a got a technology that they've been working on for a while now um it's been joint developed by so some some engineers from nvidia from mit and from alto university and um they have created something that does noise reduction and even watermark removal in uh, a very different way so they're they're presenting research actually the day this episode gets released on on july 12th they're going to be presenting at the international conference on machine learning which brian you should just plan for that next year you should go to that international conference of machine learning that'd be great yeah sign me up (laughs) it's going to be well this year it's in (laughs) stockholm sweden so you at least should be in stockholm perfect yeah (laughs) Hey, that sounds. I'd go for that. There you go. Yeah, that would be I fun. Could go back there. <laughs> so they're going to be presenting there, but they've already kind of pre-released some of, of what it is they're going to do. They're just going to present their paper and their research there formally. So um, the the big difference between this, because there's other groups and organizations who have worked on using machine learning, which is all you know the rage right now between Alexa and Google Home and all the different things that you can talk to. That's all machine learning based stuff. It's it's massive research and, and everything. All the big companies in the world, the big technology companies are working on this. So they're far from the only ones doing it. But the, what they're saying is their, their implementation or what they have built is different because it only needs two images with the noise. They don't have to have a clean one in order to do a really good job, like a seriously good job of reducing the noise and even taking off like massive watermarks off of photos. Um, So they said without ever being shown what a noise-free image looks like, this AI can remove artifacts, noise, grain, and automatically enhance your photos. Um, And that's just, if that technology, that kind of how it works would be like really revolutionary. The other the other implementations I've heard of, the other people who've been working on this, they have to spend thousands and thousands of photos uh, similar to each other so that it, they can do a good job. And this only needs two two photos and they can be noisy, yucky, really terrible photos. And it's going to be able to do a good job with them. They so have an example. A question I have. Yeah. What, I'm raising, I'm virtually raising my hand. Okay. Hang on one second. <laughs> um, um, go ahead. Okay, Brent. Sorry. Go okay. ahead, Brent. <laughs> Is that the two different photos with the same noise pattern or is that two photos that are the same photo with different noise patterns? Yeah. So I don't know if they've even released fully that information yet about what it takes, okay. but a couple of them, I, I think it, it wouldn't be very valuable if you had to have two with the same noise pattern. So I'm guessing that it's just two of kind of a similar subject. But yeah. I don't know for sure. Maybe it is does require the same noise patterns. And if that's the case, it's slightly less useful than I'm imagining. Um, but it's it's still like amazing stuff that they, no they've been able to break through here. It really, truly would be kind of a revolutionary sort of approach to this. Um, they had an example on their website. And there'll be a link in the show notes to it if you're brave enough to go wade through the geekery. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they have a couple of videos out on their, their webpage that will be in the show notes. Um, one of them shows a koala bear and the, the noise, it's like, like luminous, 
noise. So colors, not just white, but just purple and uh, pink and all these different colors. Just so much of a snowstorm of noise that I could barely even tell what the photo was of. I, it was, I had to really look at it for a minute like, what is that? Before I realized it's a koala bear that's kind of behind all that noise. And then they show in the video like it swipes across and it's clean and it's totally clear. Um, and I was just like, what? <laughs> How did they do that? There is no <laughs> way any of the software we have today comes even close to that kind of noise removal. Um, then they had like a, on their site, they have a comparison between the really noisy one, the one that the software, the AI created and the one that's taken without having to crank up the ISO or produce the noise that it had. And, um, when you compare the, the result that the AI created and the, the one that's good with no noise, yeah, there's still a difference. There's still a sharpness difference and there's still like detail differences. So it's not, it's not any, of course, I, I, we can never get to a point where it's going to equal having a shot where it doesn't have all the noise in it. It's just not possible. But wow, does it get much closer <laughs> than, um, than it has today. And they, they have another example, too, where they have watermarks, not just like one, but it's like, I don't know, 30 maybe watermarks that are on there mm -hmm. in different colors and different sizes, just plastered all over the photo. And it just completely removes them. They're, they're just gone when it, uh, when it does the process. So it's really See, cool tech. I I find I find the noise removal part super awesome because having really noisy photos sometimes is a necessity of being out in the world taking photos. Um, but why do they got to talk about the fact that you can remove watermarks? Like, I'm not even a big proponent of watermarks, but it's just like, hey, by the way, we can also enable copyright infringement. That's right. Yeah. Cool. That's Thanks true. Thanks for bragging about okay, but, that. But it doesn't take away the real purpose for watermarks, and that's to prove now you have something you can say, look, they purposely changed it so they could use the photo. That means they knew that they needed to license mm -hmm. it. And that means they violated the law. So even if the AI can make it so that that thing, the the image looks so so good and removes your watermark, the whole reason to put it on there is just so you you have evidence to say they, they had to do something before they stole it <laughs> to be able to use it. Uh, so it still takes catching them, though. It does, and that's not easy. That's hard. And then there's yeah. like, is it worth the battle? Do I have to get lawyers? <laughs> oh, man. And the money. We've talked about this over the last few weeks. But yeah, yep. that's, uh, yeah, not enough that I go after them. Okay, so now the real question <laughs> about all this geekery stuff is, well, how long is it going to be before Brian can care? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. oh, man, you don't know how perfect timing that was because... You lost me. Well, you didn't lose. Well, you distracted me with Stockholm, <laughs> with Stockholm, Sweden, because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, huh, I wonder what I could do in Stockholm, Sweden, because I never went to Stockholm and I'm currently reading, uh, the ABBA, the museum. ABBA has, Oh, I love know, ABBA. They're great, great band. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. So they have okay. a museum and I'm sitting here reading this website while you talk about all that. <laughs> Oh, the truth okay. hurts, doesn't it? So like, I heard what I needed to hear. Yes. But, you know, watermarks, I don't want it to remove my watermarks, so I'm not a big fan of that. But <laughs> maybe it'll help me with my noise. And dancing queen. There you go. <laughs> okay, so so before Brian will care, it's gonna be years. It's just gonna be. There's this is not even remotely close to something that's going to be 
anything we can run on our computers, first off. I, in fact, I'm kind of doubting that will ever happen. This isn't designed to work like that. And none of the AI stuff really is. Um, I mean, Apple's doing some where they're doing some AI on the phone um, and and trying to, to protect privacy that way be, so that it doesn't get sent off to a big collection of servers to do stuff. But most of the AI stuff, it just requires a lot of compute power, lots of servers, lots of memory, lots of stuff all linked together in massive quantities that won't fit in your house. So, so that's not going to happen. Um, maybe, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it, it, they, they can reduce the, the stuff down to, to something that can go on your computer. But for now, it's like a room full of NVIDIA video cards <laughs> all hooked together <laughs> in probably like the the most bare bones way they could and not remotely something that could be sold to anybody. It's just research. And that usually means it's it's several years away before they can kind of turn it into a, an actual product they can sell. They'd have to really make sure they can they can build the equipment in a way that's uh, transportable and presentable and usable. So it's it's a ways off, and um, but I do see a way this could happen, and and I think that Adobe is very uniquely positioned to kind of partner here with Nvidia and do this. And here's how I think it could go: I uh, Adobe has Creative Cloud. We all know it. Some of us love it. Some of us don't. <laughs> Especially listeners, I hear from listeners constantly like, "I hate Creative Cloud." Why can't I just buy the software? And yeah, that's just gone away. There's, you're not going to be able to. Um, but now here's a, a, an argument for it. So they, in, in making Creative Cloud, they have data centers with all kinds of computers in them that are the, the backend systems that we're talking to when you run Photoshop and Lightroom. And they connect and uh, they, they have their uh, things that they've done in Photoshop today with like stock photos, for example, where it's very integrated into Photoshop. And you can go say that you want a stock photo. You can search right within Photoshop for the type of stock photo you're looking for. It will hit the creative cloud, pull down the images, the thumbnails, and then it's super easy to say, oh, that's the perfect one. I want to buy it right within Photoshop and you can buy it. And they've really done a good job of integrating all of that. And it's, it's a, a nice thing. So I could see where if they partnered with NVIDIA, they could make it a very similar thing where maybe you load up your photo in Photoshop. It's super noisy and they might have a button and maybe even Photoshop could detect a bunch of noise. Who knows? But at least there might be some button somewhere that says, I want to have you guys have the cloud go and fix this photo. So you click the button of like, you know, denoise this photo and it would send it off up into the, you know, upload your photo to wherever it needs to go. Adobe's creative cloud. They'd run this AI over it, get you the fixed photo and send it back right in Photoshop. And, and it, within seconds, probably you'd have a totally clean, full res, high quality photo that's, that's run this process on. And I could see that happening within the next couple of years. I could see that being something where they could get that going pretty quick. So now, Brian, is that something that would interest you? Oh, you can dance. <laughs> you can drive. Having the time of your life. If you, I can't sing. Okay, that, yes. And please make sure you edit that part out. Uh, uh, no, that is not coming <laughs> no, out. That's, that's the bad part about this. Uh, <laughs> yes, that would interest me, being able to do that that quickly where you could just upload it and it would 
fix it all for me and send it right back. The place where they said this excels would be like Astro. I wish they had an example, but yeah. um, but they think that this AI is going to be able to tell the difference between noise and stars way better than anything we've got today. And that Ooh. would be super cool because Astro, of course, is an area where even though this the, we have some incredible sensors that are really good and people have gone to lengths to even like, you know, cool the sensors to try to control the noise. The subject matter is one that's just noisy and there's not a whole lot more we can do about it with the technology we have today. So if, if this AI stuff could really improve that, that would be massive. It would be really, really neat. So I could, I could see this going really well potentially for uh, video editors as well, because the noise may change from frame to frame. And if you had some noisy video, maybe if it would be a pain to upload it. So maybe if this were to be incorporated into something like Premiere or something like that, uh, and you might need a powerhouse computer to run it. But still, that that could be an interesting thing to look at for uh, video editors, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that would be more of a challenge probably for uh, at least today the the internet bandwidth it would take because you know sending a single photo that might be I don't know thirty meg maybe fifty meg something like that that's not too bad you most most connections in the United States here and and throughout the world that's a fairly reasonable kind of turnaround if you push that button in Photoshop you might have to wait that'd probably be the longest part of the process actually would be how long it takes to upload the photo then it will they say in the research search that this process takes milliseconds. So it's, it's not even mm. a whole second. You'd have to wait on, on a single shot and then send it back would be pretty fast. So video, wow, especially if it's like 4k or 8k, you could be waiting forever just to get the stuff right. up to the cloud for it to get processed. And then the cloud has to go one frame at a time to do the processing. So that would take a bit more time too. So yeah, all of that's kind of a challenge. They're gonna have to figure it out. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I don't know much about AI stuff, so maybe I'm wrong and they can totally put this into something some software that can run on your computer i'm just imagining it's going to be tough to transition from the room full of machines they've got working on it today and make it work down into a single machine very very quickly now jeff why can't you just use your connections with the lightroom queen not the dancing queen the lightroom queen and see if how long have you been thinking on that you no 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 that's how good like really that stuff comes to me quickly it's the (laughs) trying to sing on key that i just can't do but um like that would be awesome to have that just built in the lightroom yeah um yeah i i hope adobe and nvidia are talking i mean i i think they're fairly close partners anyway um just outside of this kind of research that's been going on but I hope there's discussions like that happening and I could see that being like a super value add why you know helping you with with why it is you want to pay for creative cloud that would be a really killer feature and uh, I could see even why Adobe would want to say yeah we don't really actually want it to run on the computer we want it to be in the cloud that gives us a big reason and justification for why it is we need cloud subscriptions which is kind of a negative, but, but, but still, uh, I, I could see that where that's going. And, and then, yeah, you just have the button in Lightroom. Yeah. Take care of this noise and poof, it's, it's gone. <laughs> that would be really cool. All right. So we've, uh, we conquered that topic, right? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> and Brian, you didn't <laughs> snore, so that's good. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, he got off on Dancing Queens that's and all true. that stuff. I that's mean, that, how do you snore with that? There's no way I could envision <laughs> that happening. So that's <laughs> that's good. I'm I'm glad you're there, Brian. It made you're the right. other people who are similarly like, oh gosh, Jeff's talking again. That's <laughs> no. Some people totally dig that stuff. It just that some people ain't me yeah <laughs> jeff to be fair i was totally enthralled up until brian was talking about dancing queen and then i just had abba stuck in my head yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> that's what i'm talking about yeah okay let's move on to the end of the show <laughs> we could talk forever it's fun <laughs> we enjoy talking to each other but let's talk about our doodads of the week and let's start with brent my doodad is something I just hit the buy button on today, so I don't have it. I haven't tested it out yet, but I got the Lacey 2-terabyte DJI Copilot Boss external hard drive. That's got to be awesome because it says boss. So That's right. It is the boss. <laughs> uh, what this thing does is uh, I was doing a search. Uh, I'm going to Hong Kong in, what, four weeks or so, and I was like, you know, I really would like another hard drive because I'm thinking through my hard drive situation and I'm filling up and I'm just like, hmm, I should uh, find a, a portable hard drive that I can use as my backup and then I'll get another one for SSD because I am going to take my computer as well. Uh, so I'm going to have, I'm going to shift everything over to these portable hard drives uh, while I'm out there. And so this one has an SD card slot. You plug it in, you hit a button and it'll copy it off. So that's kind of nice. That'll be my immediate backup. Yeah, that's cool. And then when I get back to the room, I can use that. I'll plug it into the computer. I will just use Lightroom to say, okay, import those images or copy those images, whatever. And so they'll import into the, the library and I can put another copy on my external SSD that I have also coming. But then this device also... Uh, it has a battery inside of it, so of course it can operate by itself, but I can then plug in my phone or whatever else to charge it while I'm on the road uh, and not back at the room. And it just is just the most um, featured device like this. Uh, Western Digital has one that's kind of sort of similar. Uh, it just doesn't have the extra ports on it that helps uh, you know, with the extra connectivity. Very cool. You'll have to give us a report after you use it and see uh, see if it's still a recommendation here in a few weeks. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that it, it does well. Lacey has usually done pretty good for yeah, me, but yeah. my my drive that I have in the at the school office, uh, there's like two things about it that I really don't care for. Um, but in its connection issues, it's not uh-huh. performance issues. Right. Uh, so this one, you know, it looks really good. They developed it with DJI. So hopefully things are, you know, well developed there. I think it'll be pretty cool. Cool. So I'm, I'm looking forward to having a nice, it's a nice two terabyte external hard drive that I can just copy all my stuff to. And since I have a videographer actually coming with me to Hong Kong, uh, I'll, I'm going to be able to get all his data as well because he's shooting my videos. So it'll, it should be pretty good. Connor, what about you? Um, my doodad is a, a service, I guess. <laughs> and that is TSA pre-check. Um, if you fly even more than once a year, um, it is definitely worth looking into TSA pre-check, um, because we're photographers, we have all of our gear and you know what now TSA varying, between different airports, but they, they make you take out any item that's larger than a cell phone. And that includes your cameras. Um, I have been asked to take out lenses before, but, um, 
usually if I offer to take them out, they'll, they'll just tell me no. But one way or the other, it, I'm the guy that has 10 bins going through the security line. Right. And with TSA pre-check, um, they, they don't guarantee that you'll make it through without or with expedited screening, but you pretty much do. And it costs $85, I think $100 for their global um something or other which allows you to also make it through customs much faster um but i i only have the tsa pre pre-check because for me to get global it was like the next appointment was at the end of september um Ooh. yeah what's, so what's I, weird I about in, that in, they're they're done by two different groups so the domestic yeah. pre-check versus the international are not even like in the same area same department of the government or whatever it is so you can't just yeah. like go into one and then like pay your other fee to get the more it's it's two totally different things and if you start with domestic and then you decide you want international you're starting over and you're going to pay the full fee again yeah you get it's go from scratch yeah but, um I decided that, you know what, customs is never fun, but I only travel internationally once a year, and that only gets you back into the country quickly. It doesn't get you through customs quickly anywhere else you go, so yep, yep. I figured, eh, I might as well just pay the $85 now, forego the global thing, but it, it allows you to go through, no taking off shoes, anything like that. The line is always way shorter because it's so much faster. And for us photographers, if you're a, a gear hound like me, if you don't know how to pack light like me, um, <laughs> I, I totally recommend going and getting TSA pre-check. Okay, very good. I like it. Brian, what about you? Uh, I second that, but that's not mine. The TSA pre-check <laughs> is great. Uh, Brent and I talked about it uh, before on the Latitude yeah. podcast a while back. But yeah, so get that. Anyways, so mine is should be singing lessons, but it's not. <laughs> For me, it's, uh, it's the light painting that deals with that, which uh, again, let me just explain. If you see the picture on my Instagram, it's my daughter, and then there's this like wave of light behind it. And uh -huh. all it is is a 48 inch T12 light tube. So it's a plastic tube that the, like a four foot long uh, fluorescent light would kind of go in to be protected. So it's just a piece of plastic, a tube. And then at the end, you could, um, you would want to put like a tactical flashlight, which those can get crazy with prices, which uh, I, I bought one that was pretty or two that were kind of pricey uh, they get hot real fast the ones that i have huh. but um the reason why you want to is if they're two and they're small enough to fit inside the end of the t12 then what's cool is you can have one light always on and the other one can strobe and it creates a totally different effect than just having a light constantly gotcha. on so uh so a t12 tube you can buy it for like four to four dollars at like lowe's so we're going on a family vacation here tomorrow to Florida and I'm just bringing my flashlight with me and then I'm, I don't want to carry a four foot long plastic tube on the airplane. So I'll probably hit up a, a Lowe's down there for four nice. bucks and play around with that. It's a good idea. So, yeah. We have to do a photo taco episode. I think walking through that, Brian. Sure. Okay. Definitely. All right. 
my doodad, and then we'll close up the show here. Mine's going to seem weird, but it's something called the Bandito, <laughs> and it's an Bandito. Indiegogo that's project. Fun. That's fun to say. Yeah. That's oh, come say. on. Bandito. <laughs> Elf. Bandito. Love it. Okay. So um, it's an Indiegogo project, and I have struggled with mosquitoes my entire life. Uh, they seem to love me more than others for some reason. I don't know what it is. But like uh, I, I recently went out and we did a show to photo shoot and I was with uh, five other people and we were near a little pond, but we were like across the street from it. So I didn't think it was a big deal. And in the space of uh, an hour shoot at the golden hour, I got bit many times by mosquitoes and no one else even saw one. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have bites. They didn't even see a mosquito. And I'd, so like at the end of the night, I was like, so how many mosquito bites did you guys get? And like, there were mosquitoes there? And said, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, and, and to make top it off, I'm very allergic to them. So I swell up nice and big where they bit me. And this time they actually kind of got infected and I had to get antibiotics and it's, it's a mess. So anytime yeah. I see something new about like fighting mosquitoes, I'm all over it. I'm going to try it. I haven't really seen anything do a stellar job other than dousing myself in bug spray, which I hate. It's just not fun to, to do that. And so this device, it's a it's something you put on your wrist. They they say that it uses like sound plus smell uh, thing fragrances to try to make them stay away. Fragrances that we like and they don't, something like that. I don't know if it's going to work. I'm going to try it. So I've backed the Indiegogo project, Indiegogo project, or uh, yeah, Kickstarter, no, Indiegogo, yeah. And uh, it's 34 bucks to back it and get a solo pack that's uh, got refills for six months worth of use. And so we'll see. We'll see if they even make the thing because obviously with Indiegogo, there's a chance that they won't even get it done. And then we'll see if it works. So I'm going to be like a really good test. If it works for me, it's going to work for anybody. <laughs> and uh, so I'll put a link to it. If, if there's other people who attract mosquitoes like I do, then you might want to check it out and see if you want to back it too. So there's my doodad. All right. We're going to close up the show here. Just to remind you, Master Photography Podcast is the new home of the show. So hit those up. Find the show notes there. We have our Facebook group too, Master Photography Podcast. Just search for that. You do have to name a host. Answer that question of naming a host in order to get in there so we can keep the bots and the spammers out. Uh, let's talk about where we can find everybody. Brent, where do you find you? You. My website at brentbergherm.com, just my name. And then, of course, latitudephotographypodcast.com. And for about another month and a half or so, brentwinslenses.com as I'm continuing to sell my gear since I've decided to close that business. So if you're looking for some gear, uh, head on over to brentwinslenses. Brian, where do the people find you? Uh, my website, brianmcguckin.com. My uh, Instagram is at Brian McGuckin. Same with my Twitter, which I don't use a whole lot. Uh, Facebook is Brian McGuckin Photography. I thought I heard you committing to doing more with Instagram. I have been. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm doing. A, I'm kind of doing a test with Instagram, but I haven't told anybody about it because I'm. I'm just. It's like my own personal experiment. So I'm not going to talk about it right now. But I'll let you know. Okay. How that turns out. You can ask me about it next month. Okay. Connor, where people find you? Um, you can find me at connorhibbs.photography as my website. Um, you can look up the other show I'm on, Portrait Session, at portraitsessionpodcast.com. And you can find me on Instagram at connorhibbsphotography. Perfect. And you can see me. My work is at jsharmanphotos.com. 
You can check out my other podcast, Photo Taco Podcast, which is at phototacopodcast.com. I'm on Facebook where I'm Harmon Jeff, Twitter, Harmon underscore Jeff. Stupid people took Harmon Jeff and Harmon Jeff on Instagram. So there you go. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. We're so glad to have you here and we uh, will see you in another seven days.